0: When I was a young adult, I came to the realization about myself that I was the world's worst perfectionist because I make so many mistakes. And the problem with mistakes is they're so obvious after you make them. (laughs) You try and you try to get things right, but you just fall short. There's always something unanticipated. But today, because of Jesus, I am a recovering perfectionist. You know, it's his grace that has me standing here today because he alone is perfect. I look back at my life and I, and I look at some of the unwise things I did in my misspent youth. I, I see... Those people that I hurt, those things that I said, those relationships that were broken, those damaged areas in my life that still haunt me. Wisdom is what we're talking about in, these, uh, in this series, and the desire to follow the guidance of our heavenly father who alone is wise wisdom is that pursuit that gives us a deeper meaning in our life a deeper understanding wisdom from god is what brings us together as a community wisdom from god is what integrates our emotional our spiritual our cognitive intellectual self together. And it even has a physical effect on our well being. And so, as we look deeper into what wisdom is about, knowing that you, like me, have those times in your life where you have made unwise choices. <laughs> Some of them you may say, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. This world. Has given us all a resume of brokenness because of the terrible choices we have made that were not grounded in wisdom. And so we're going to look at James, who uh, most scholars believe is the brother of Jesus, And he is going to give us counsel that was inspired by God. And and I always want to make sure that we understand this. We oftentimes read these things as just kind of dictated to them. But understand that these are people who had a faith journey and a struggle in life where these things became real to them as God revealed what he had already done in their lives. So understand that the word that was present with them is just as applicable today in our lives. And so James shares this in James chapter 1, verses five through eight. He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. I wanna stop there for a moment because we want to take clues from what's happening here. He says, if if you need wisdom, do you understand that people who don't have a need don't ask? The beginning of healing is when we recognize that we have a need. And even deeper, let's take it even deeper, it's that we have a need That we know we can't fulfill. How many of you have tried over and over and over again to try to get something done, and you find that you always come up short? So, we need that supernatural element that God gives because the source is not in me, the source is God. He is the one who gives good gifts. So if you need, ask, uh, need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He doesn't withhold it. And the next part is even more important. He will not rebuke you for asking. <laughs> Don't miss the meaning of this. God meets us where we are. He knows we've made some terrible mistakes in our past. But he's not going to hold that against us. He's saying, okay, if you're ready to receive my wisdom, let's take it from here. And that is so real, so important that God doesn't rebuke us. You idiot. I mean, we've heard that from a lot of people, right? When will you ever learn? How come you keep doing that over and over? not? That's not our God. He generously gives us wisdom and takes us where we are. He doesn't say, "Um, I want you to get some things right, then come and talk to me. He's there right now. He's there for you. He's there for me. And he generously gives. I, I love that James had this picture of God. Martin Luther didn't quite get James. He called James a straw epistle. But there's so much depth in this. He will not rebuke you for asking, friends. If you're needing wisdom right now, know that God is here for you today. Jesus is right in this place. He is right next to you, ready to give you wisdom, ready to give you what you desperately need. Whatever you're facing, God has an answer for you today. You believe that? And even if you don't, and and you're struggling with your faith right now, Know that God understands you to the depth of your being. He knows you infinitely better than you know yourself, and he loves you. And he's ready to give generously. James continues on. He continues on, but my screen isn't. (laughs) Oh, there we go. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith in God, your faith is in God alone. Now it starts getting a little more difficult. He says, Do not waver for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, I hope this this makes you a little unsettled. It makes me a little unsettled, too. But listen to the deeper element of this. What it is saying is that when you believe God is leading you into a place you have not been before, you are going to feel some discomfort. You are going to worry, what will people say if I do this? This seems crazy compared to my normal life. And, And And if I go there, how are people going to react to me? And I have to go back now to a a time in in my life, Cheryl's in my life, where God was very present in our life. We were growing by leaps and bounds in our spiritual journey. I had a very successful job. I was traveling around the world developing products that, that were being used in industrial applications. It was a very fulfilling and exciting life. And then God... Then God comes and the pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist church that we joined said, have you ever considered becoming a pastor? And I had been asked that when I was 18 years old in the Presbyterian church. And I said, no way. But this time God had become so real and so present in our lives that we decided we were going to pursue and go to Union College and study to become a uh, t- for a degree in theology and become a pastor, but don't be fooled. Was there emotion in that decision? It was swirling all around. There were there was, well, yeah. and then there, there, and but uh, and, and then, but how are we going to live? Well, how are we going to make money? How how going back and forth? But in the end. Our faith was unwavering. God went with us through that process. Don't forget that when you make a choice of faith following God's wisdom, you will have emotions swirling all around. But faith is not about emotion. Faith is a choice. It is a decision to go ahead. That is unwavering faith. Because our carnal nature is talking to us, telling us, oh, you are a wave tossed by the sea. And, and what makes you think that you can do this? And you can bet the enemy, every time God asks us to act in wisdom, we are going to have all kinds of obstacles facing us. But standing here today, having completed that degree, becoming a pastor, I look back at the decades of pastoring and this is the greatest adventure of my life and it ain't done yet God's not done with me yet no matter where you are in your journey whether you're young and just starting out or whether you're old God's wisdom applies and wants to make the best of your life I'm grateful for that and God understands that (laughs) you know when he, show, he when he tells us to go to a land that he will show us there are going to be unknowns but even if even if you make a little slight disca- miscalculation god corrects your course if you make it seeking after him he's when <laughs> when the gps first came out um, they bought all of us pastors a GPS. And I, I absolutely loved it, but it absolutely drove Cheryl crazy. Because, because the destination was set for home, right? And I would intentionally make wrong turns. And it says, when safe, make a U-turn, you know. And, and it would say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And I would find a new way home. But the destination was always set. And that's the way God works in our lives. We we stumble with our faith. But God always has the same destination for us. He has drawn us heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm grateful for that. He understands us. So it isn't always pretty following the way of wisdom. But it's always good because it is always drawing us closer to Jesus. We are learning to trust him in the laboratory of life. We are learning to draw closer to him and trust him because he is trustworthy. And we are more ready. I was mentioning in Sabbath school this morning that when Cheryl and I started in our faith journey, God gave us little signs, bird sightings and different things where we sensed God was getting us ready for something. And as we have grown in our maturity, we don't get those anymore because we've gone beyond that. Our relationship has matured, and we hear his voice a little easier. So wisdom is a gift from God that helps us as we we make our way in this journey through life. Jesus cares about you. He is a generous God. Who wants to give you the desires of your heart. And that's good news. Later on, in chapter 3 of, of James' letter, he gives a clearer delineation of what wisdom is. In, uh, in chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, we read, oh, oh wait a minute, I've got ahead of myself. So wisdom is a gift from God. We're going to recap. Wisdom is a gift from God. And next, wisdom works with unwavering faith. And finally, wisdom is single-minded. We can count on God through this process of wisdom. And one of the things that I, I um, appreciate about God is he doesn't give us something that we are incapable of doing because God is always working behind the scenes with each step. He is preparing us for the next step, and there may come defining moments in our wisdom journey that's drawn us closer to God, but when we come to those defining moments, the big decisions, God has already prepared us all along the way because God alone knows the future. He is waiting in tomorrow for you to get there. He knows you, and he knows the outcome. So, we trust in God. Now, later on in, uh, in chapter 3 of the letter, we read this in verse 17. Can you help me? This is not working. Okay. Okay. Now it went too far, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and is always sincere. Look at those high ideals that are lifted up there. How are you? How are you scoring on that? The wisdom that works in us, transforming us, is full of mercy, it's loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. Think about how this is a community builder, how this is an integration device that's working in us. And then he finishes up um, this section. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness." Can you imagine, can you imagine what? <laughs> I don't know. So doesn't wisdom that works sound good? Sound wonderful. Can you imagine a church full of people that are operating on the basis of God's wisdom, biblical wisdom? I, I know. I've been here longer. I know that there's brokenness in this church, broken relationships, unforgiveness, sorrows, deep hurts. And this is a beautiful mess. But God's wisdom is a community builder. God's wisdom brings us into the place of being peacemakers. God's wisdom is able to bring multicultural gatherings into one because we are all one in Christ know that that a church that is being led by this kind of wisdom is a powerful attraction to a world that is used to broken promises a world that has become hardened and jaded jaded but friends God has called us to be a people that are healed and healing and becoming full of grace in all situations, full of acceptance and love, full of peace and togetherness and wholeness. God does this in us as individuals and as a community. Friends, capture the vision that God has for us being drawn together in one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. A God who has called us to be brothers and sisters, respecting each other, lifting each other up, holding each other in in a growth environment, growing and learning. This is the kind of wisdom that God wants for his church. So there are basically two views on how to get there. The first is to fake it till you make it. And somehow that appeals to our carnal nature that I'm going to do this. You know, it's like going on a diet. I'm going to lose. I, boy, how's that working for you, Rick? You know, but we we kind of gut it out. We're going to white knuckle it. We're going to make this happen. I'm going to do this. And we fail. We can't do this by ourselves. The second The second view that I want you to consider the way of wisdom is that I don't know if the battery's low on this or what. Okay. Um, supernatural deep change. Deep change where we literally, literally change the way we see things. Now I want to share with you because obedience only goes, I mean, we can call each other to obedience. But it, that word strikes us, does that, does that sound threatening to you? I, I want to I talk to you about, I'm calling out Cheryl again, but the person she married, oh my gosh, if, if I was still that person, we wouldn't be married. I loved Cheryl when I met her. She was, it was in high school. I saw her across the choir room and I saw that smile and something inside of me said, you've got to meet that girl. And I was a hot mess. My moral compass was messed up. I, I had gone through a, a, a terrible upbringing. Some really hard things and some really good things too. But when I met Cheryl and, and her family was kind of a safe haven for me. And, but I was selfish. I was, like, self-focused. But as we have grown together and as our love has grown together, (laughs) I know that there are things that she likes. And I go out of my way to make sure that in the morning there are certain things done that she appreciates. I do it because I love her. I'm obedient to the call because I love her. She doesn't know I'm being obedient. She doesn't even have to think about it. And it goes the other way around. Cheryl <laughs> is always working behind the scenes. I have magic drawers. They're always filled with clean clothes. And, and what I'm wearing today, I dress myself every other day of the week. But on Sabbath... Cheryl picks out my clothes. She lets me put them on myself. But we just make, make provision for each other because we love each other. And I, and I want to say that obedience to the Lord is the same thing. As we come to know Him, as we come to trust Him, as we come to love Him, we begin to change. Now, I want to share with you the gospel This is good news. You hear the gospel? What the gospel means is good news. And there are scriptures that I'm going to show you, and there are even more, but I want to... Oops. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I made a mistake. It's my fault. Anyway, (laughs) we're having fun. Okay, so... Faking it till you make it. This is what it looks like. There. Okay, this is where I take first. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait <laughs> of course, the reason we laugh at that is because we see ourselves in it, right? But, but trying, to, trying to do this thing called wisdom, godly wisdom, um, requires something greater than ourselves. And there are many passages, but let's go back to our first passage. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So, how do we find this wisdom? What is this journey for wisdom? That works that really works because they're like like the struggle of those those children that we chuckle about we are like those children we, we have a lot of shiny things in the world today a lot of things that are buying for our attention a lot of promises of what we will be if we buy these clothes or have this car or if If we achieve this rank or this station in the company we're working in, all of these things are shiny, are attractive, but there's only one true wisdom. In a relative world where everything is relative, you know, what works for you may not work for me, and what's good for me doesn't have to be good for you but I pursue these things in earthly wisdom and it always ends up in brokenness the most successful people the sports figures the the entertainers those icons in business in the business world almost always end up in the same place is this all there is so what is the gospel What is the root to this kind of wisdom? And this is the good news. Now we're there. (laughs) In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we read this. Yeah. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Who initiates our faith? Jesus, who perfects our faith? Wisdom is recognizing that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus because he does deep change in us. He is the one who changes the way we literally see things so we respond in a new way, in a healthy way. Here are some more. All right, I'm trying. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this to the disciples, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You see, we oftentimes think about obedience and producing fruit. But that's all backwards. We think, I'm going to do these good things. But it's backwards. Because our motives, because our hearts are desperately wicked and who can know them, we get enmeshed in doing good things. But what Jesus said is job one is to remain in him. And we will produce good fruit remaining in Jesus. Well, how do we remain in Jesus? This is the participation part. How do we we remain in Jesus? How, How does this work for you? How do you remain in Jesus? Go ahead and call it out. Prayer. Okay. Scripture. Being immersed in Scripture. What else? Kindness. Witnessing. Yes, sharing with others. What else? singing praises, worshiping together. What else? How do we remain in Jesus? Trusting him. Spending time with him, loving him. What else? Hm? Sharing the gospel. Yes. When we share with others, it does something. There's special grace in that. I appreciate that. Yeah, what else? Worshipping tithing is an act of worship huh be a willingness good to follow him, staying connected with Jesus, a deep devotional program in your life Do you have a consistent devotional program? you know one of the one of the things that was advised to me by something someone who was so wise when I was studying at Union College to become a pastor, they said, you're going to study the Bible for preparing sermons, but always have a private devotional life apart from your sermon preparation. You're going to be reading a lot of books about the Bible, but never forsake your personal devotional life. It is the lifeblood of everyone we must have that. Then Jesus said uh, the, next, the next one is for God <laughs> in Philippians. This is Paul, <laughs> who was Saul, who was living and serving God like the devil. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Who's working in you? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do. To do what pleases him. What this is basically saying is when we are in that state, we are carrying out our will, but it is actually God's will. It becomes unconscious. When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? And he says, As you have done it unto the least of these, one of my brothers, you have done it unto me. It's an unconscious, it's who we become. We don't even have to think about it because it's who we are. I love that. That's good news. And then um, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where Paul talks about the, the, the people of Israel have this veil covering their face, and whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's We turn to the Lord. That's my part. The veil is taken away. That's God's part. And then we read this. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom! Freedom! This is becoming free from the power of sin and awake to the wisdom that works. And then he continues on. So all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him. Who's doing this? The Lord. More and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Is that power? That he is transforming us as we abide in him. And we've already talked about the different ways that we can abide in the Lord. Next. (laughs) I want to share with you, yes, from 1965, a modern prophet, his name was Paul Harvey. At noon, everyone would turn on their radio in their lunch hour. Paul Harvey was the guy who said, and now the rest of the story, those of us who are younger don't remember him but in 1965 nearly 60 years ago paul harvey produced this piece that was broadcast over radio if i were the devil
1: if i were the devil if i were the devil if i were the prince of darkness i'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.
0: Sixty years ago, almost sixty years ago, with an incredible mind-bending look into the future that is startlingly accurate for the world we live in today. My dear friends, the way to wisdom that works is all of those things that we talked about in terms of abiding in Jesus. Doesn't matter how young or how old you are, the formula is still the same. Wisdom that works is grounded in a relationship with the one you can love and trust with your very life. Why is it that there is a famine of biblical understanding in our world today? Why is it that people are ignorant of the basic principles of Scripture? Why is it that We spend so little time in the very vital element that Jesus has called us to. Why do we give it such little value in our lives when it is the very source of life? We have an excellent Sabbath school here for the adults. And I love our teachers who prepare a lesson for young children and young Um, adults every week and they are faithful here and I see them standing in their room having prepared a lesson and no one comes parents parents wake up and know that that our children are targeted more in this generation than any other generation they need to know Jesus We have all kinds of opportunities for coming to know Jesus. In this electronic age, you can, you can have a devotion flash to you every morning. You can take time to read in the Bible. My personal habit that has grown over the years is I have a speckled notebook. Some of you have seen it. And I literally write out a passage right now um, I'm in the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> I just finished up with Jonah. I write out the passage. I study it. I underline it. I write questions in the margins. And when I feel like I have, have engaged and gotten the meat out of what I was studying, I write a prayer in response to what I learned. I've been doing this for over 30 years. And if you like what you see up here, Thank Jesus, because I never would have been here without Him. And He's the same for you. Friends, we have choices in this world. God, forgive us for becoming so distracted in the world. And give us a desire, a longing, as the deer pants for the water. Give us that desire to be intentional about spending time with Jesus, about sharing Jesus, about praying to Jesus, about living for Jesus, trusting Him, loving Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who is able to do in you exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or even imagine. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because that is the way. That is the way to wisdom that works. Amen.